Okay, so today you're asking about ignorance. Yes. Actually, the Pali word um, is a jiva and that it's translated as ignorance. But there's a whole lot more to it than that. That perhaps instead of translating it as knowing or not knowing, which would be ignorance, we could say that it's translated more correctly as knowing not or knowing wrongly. Mm. And in that case, it is not necessarily ignorance. It's more like delusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there is wise kind of ignorance. And then there is unwise ignorance. Which are the differences? All right. I will. I'll give you an example first. The example is, is that it's late at night. The lights are off. Everything is still and you get up to go to the bathroom and you don't turn the light on because you know your way to the bathroom. And on the way to the bathroom, you stub your toe. Now, was that toe stubbing, was that out of ignorance or out of delusion? Well, I thought I knew so it's delusion. Yes, I would say that it's delusion, and here's the reason why. You see, if you did not know the way to the bathroom, or you did not know the precise position of the furniture, and you knew that you didn't know the precise way uh, to the bathroom and the position of the furniture, then mm. you would turn the light on. Mm-hmm. but you were delusional thinking that you could make it to the bathroom without turning the light on mm-hmm. safely and it didn't happen okay so this is a good example and a good introduction to what we're talking about because we go around in the dark thinking we know our way around quite often Now, there's a difference between delusion and ignorance in the sense that ignorance in and of itself is not necessarily a problem at all. Mm. An example of that is, is that um, technology, for instance, in the time of the Buddha, there was very little technology. So at that time, the Buddha was ignorant of the kind of technologies that we have today. But. He was also ignorant, and so are we, of the technologies that will be here a hundred years from now. We don't know what the future will be. Nobody knows what the future will be. Also, in the realm of knowledge of what we have now, you will find, in fact, scholars that are in a particular uh, field together will argue with each other. Why do they argue if if both of these guys are experts and knowledgeable in their field, then why would they be arguing? The answer is is because they're always going to be arguing at the edge of their field, the edge of their knowledge. 
the place beyond which there is no uh, information yet. So, um, as a human being, we, um, let us say we don't like not knowing that we as a species with the human brain, the way that it's constructed, we want to know, we want to connect the dots, we want to have knowledge. Uh, in some quarters, we even say that that knowledge is of high value. Mm -hmm. For instance, if a battery manufacturer knows a technique for manufacturing batteries so that they can make them a lot cheaper, then they've got a leg up with that knowledge of the other battery manufacturers. Okay. Also, in the art of warfare, keeping your enemy ignorant is uh, a major point. This is also propaganda. Um, so, if your army is small, you want it to make it look big. If it's all collected together, you want to make it look scattered. If it is here, you want to make it look over there, etc., like that. And so there is deception involved with this. And that many things in our culture are deceiving. And if we have been deceived, then we are delusional, thinking that we know, and, we're, and we can get a lot of agreement with that because everybody around agrees. Mm -hmm. And then we find out later that we were all wrong. Mm -hmm. All right. And some don't accept that and they want to cling to their delusions. Mm. Now, this is part of society. As um, you grow in the Dhamma, we begin to see that this is the major issue with society is this delusion, this um, lying and propaganda and uh, trying to take advantage because of knowledge and other things like that. And so we begin to recognize that, wait a minute, the society is not nearly necessarily as valuable as we once thought it was, that we have to be much more careful about this issue of ignorance. Mm. But that's just at the ordinary level. Now yeah. there's a whole new level that we have to look at, and that is, is at the level of this Ajiva that's part of the second noble truth. Mm -hmm. Because this is the Jiva that actually is is painful or um, uh, let us say at least unsatisfactory hmm. in in the sense that um, there there is kind of a movement in um, Western Buddhism that holds that the second uh, noble truth the cause of suffering is clinging or tanha and that uh, this is not what the Buddha says, that um, he talks about it as Mara and his three daughters. Okay, so clinging is going to be one of the three. Yeah. And that clinging normally is referred to as wanting things that we don't have. 
that the clinging is not to the object. It's clinging to wanting the object that mm-hmm. we don't have. Mm-hmm. Okay, wanting something that we don't have. If we have something that we want, then we're good. We've already got it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, everything is subject to decay. <laughs> That's what I thought right now. Yeah. And so uh, oftentimes when we have something, that means now we've got to preserve it. And we're not going to be really great at doing that. And eventually we're going to lose it. And then the dukkha comes back in the sense of, oh, no, I have lost it. Poor me. I used to have that thing and now I don't have it, whatever it was. It could be a bicycle that we can grow up as an adult and remember finally the bicycle we had as a child. And we want that bicycle. Actually, we want the feelings that are associated with the bicycle. But this is how it goes, is is that when we lose something, now the bad feelings for having lost it, but it's still that issue of separation from that which we want, not having what we want, as if that if we had that thing, now we would be better off. If we had that thing, we would be more whole. If we had that thing, uh, we would be complete. And so, in fact, what we feel like is longing or lacking of something, and that um, longing and lacking is basically based upon the fact that we think that we'll feel better if we get what we want. Yeah. yeah. Where in fact we're quite okay just the way we are. So but, this is delusional thinking hmm. that we would be better off without it or with it because we want it. So you can see delusion built right into anything that we want that we don't have. The delusion is is that we'll somehow be better off if we do have it. That we, we will be more complete, we will be whole. And that one of the things that we will have then also is that we won't have to deal with the feelings of wanting something that we don't have. Mm-hmm. So this habit that we get into of delusionally wanting something that we don't have is now brought into our meditation practice. In the sense that now we're wanting something from meditation that we don't have. (laughs) And this is why so much practice is done incorrectly is because people are doing it from the issue of wanting something. Mm -hmm. I feel terrible now. Let me go meditate and I'll feel better. Well, maybe so, maybe not. It depends upon how they're practicing, you see. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wanting to feel better does not make one feel better. Mm. No, the because dis- you've, go gotta, you've gotta get to the fuel of the to the cause of feeling well, feeling better, isn't it? Right. We have to actually cut through this layer of ignorance. Uh-huh. So back to the second noble truth has three elements to it. Those three elements uh, in the Pali is lobha, moha, dosa. And what, what they mean, basically, is 
wanting things that we don't have, longing for things. The second one is um, having to put up with things that are um, difficult to put up with. They're difficult to endure. We don't want to endure it. Mm-hmm. An example of that is um, uh, the, uh, you're, you're having uh, a conversation with a friend or perhaps listening to the television and the police come with their uh, noisy uh, uh, sirens. And we want that noise to go away. We don't like it. It's difficult to endure and it's preventing us from getting something that we do want, like listening to the jokes on TV or something like that. All right. And so now we've gotten ourselves into a state of not liking because the uh, what the object of the not liking is preventing us from getting something that we do like. Mm-hmm. All right. So. In both of these cases, we're dealing with feelings. The feeling of I like it and the feeling that I don't like it. This is in the Pali. This is Vedana. And this is a major, major part of the teaching of the Buddha. Now, these are not emotions. These are basic feelings. But it gives rise to the emotions. In in the sense of um, when we when we like something, then we want to go get it. If we don't like something, we want to get rid of it. But now there's a third kind of feeling that I will introduce. And that third kind of feeling is um, sometimes translated in English as a neutral feeling. But it is certainly not. It's not neutral. If it were, in fact, a neutral feeling, an actual neutral feeling is like no feeling at all. (laughs) Yeah. So this third kind of feeling is known as uh, a dukkha, a sukha, and it's also known as dukkha, sukha. But basically what it means is, is that there is a kind of feeling that is mixed that's both I like it and I don't like it, or we cannot figure out whether we like it or we don't like it. In other words, we don't know which category, we don't know which box to put it in. Okay, this kind of feeling then, this third kind of feeling, we can actually put more modern uh, terminology to, which we would call confusion. Mm. that we don't really know whether we like it or not. We don't know, in fact, what it is. We recognize it it enough to know that we don't recognize it. Uh Mm. All right. This feeling gives rise then to doubt. Uh And it can lead to uncertainty and then fear. Then, in fact, we would rather decide that I don't like it because it's easier then to accept it that you don't like it. Where it's confusing that we we're not sure whether we like it or not. 
An example of that is, is that you see someone coming from a great distance and you recognize that it's a human being walking in this direction, but you can't tell who it is or what it is. We can't quite see how they're dressed. We don't know whether it's male or female. See, if it's female, we'll probably like her, but if it's male, he might be dangerous. And so this is when curiosity comes up. We're not sure. We want to pay attention. We want to gather more information. Mm-hmm. Okay. These three kinds of feelings then are quite well associated then with the second noble truth of liking and having ignorance, not liking and having ignorance, and then being ignorant about whether we like it or not, ignorantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so basically then the second noble truth, the primary daughter or the elder daughter is this ajiva or this ignorance, this not knowing. Now, um, this fetter of ignorance actually um, lingers on and on and on to the point that we finally become comfortable in not knowing. Because normally when we don't know something, we think that there's some work to be done or I've got to go take care of it or I don't know what's going on. Um, and, and this kind of feeling then um, is a little bit difficult to deal with. But we can do it right along. The next point that's important to know is, is that some things are worth knowing and other things are not worth knowing. And that of all the things that can be known, an individual human being is only going to get a very, very tiny amount anyway. Mm-hmm. An example of that would be uh, the university party where all of the faculty of that party is gathered together and you have all the deans and all the old professors and every one of them is a um, uh, an expert in his field and yet no one in that room in that party knows everything that everybody else knows mm-hmm. can't be that we are, in fact, bound to ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's part of our life. Mm-hmm. There will always be the unknown. Yeah. So what we have to do then is deal with the parts of the unknown that actually are problematic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, an example of that just as a side example, would be mathematics. Now, I, uh, because of the uh, association with computers and computer science, the kinds of math courses that I took in, in, at university were kind of specialized, like numerical calculus, uh, uh, numerical analysis, um, uh, how numbers are put together, what's the um, uh, error factors involved with it, including statistics and that kind of thing. But there are also levels of mathematics that I am lost. I don't have a clue about that stuff. Mm 
or actually I have a clue, but the clues that I have indicate that there's areas that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess what? The fact that I did not know that information hasn't helped to hurt me at all. Mm-hmm. But if I were, in fact, a, uh, a physicist working at CERN, then that level of mathematics that I don't have, that would be a, a major stumbling block to the career. Just like a guy who was uh, uh, educated in the kind of mathematics that they use in nuclear physics and nuclear science, he's not going to be able to do very much in divi- designing a, uh, a computer with floating point numbers and that kind of thing. Okay, so we're talking about specializations now. And yeah. there, um, there's actually kind of specialized knowledge that we need for the Dhamma. Mm. That we're not going to try to um, remove all ignorance. We're just going to figure out that which makes life unsatisfying. Yeah. That's all the ignorance that we have to deal with. Now, uh, what that basically means is, is that we need now to pay attention to and to become wise to our feelings. This is the basic point, is, is that we are ignorant of our feelings, that a lot of times we don't even know how we feel about something. Mm-hmm. Because there's uh, so much complexity and, and, and whatnot. Um, the next thing to understand is, is that feelings can arise very quickly and pass away very quickly. And that because of that, we're unlikely to know the full extent of them. So part of the practice then of Anapanasati, this sati, is to make it fast. Mm. Yeah. To make it really quick so that we can see what's going on much sooner and not miss out on what happened. So uh, the word sati is actually to wake up so that we can, in fact, do an investigation. Mm-hmm. And that investigation, then, is going to uh, help eliminate our delusions and our ignorances because we're actually now paying attention to what's going on. Uh-huh. All right, so this is the way that we're going to practice is we're going to be looking for what's happening so that we can make wise choices about the way we feel. Mm. Okay, Um, let's use anger as an example, because anger is an emotion that is generally based upon not liking, but is also based upon um, ignorance in the sense that um, if you fully understand something, then it's unlikely for you to be angry about it. Mm. In other words, it's old information. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, children, in fact, can find th- can learn about things in school that happened before they were born. 
when they go to school that morning, they didn't know anything and they were okay. And then they hear about it and now they're unhappy. They're angry. They're upset because they've heard about something that they didn't know about that happened before they were born. This is what we're talking about in the sense that um, we only have a little bit of information. So getting back to the fact that if someone is angry, there is more than one thing mixed with that because anger itself is not just not liking something, but there is almost always fear that's based at the bottom of it. And fear is normally, uh, let us say, the strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. You've even heard in politics, better the devil we know than the devil we don't. Right? That's an example of that, is, is that if we don't know what this guy is going to do, we don't want him in office. We'd rather have a crook in office because at least we know what he's going to do. So, in anger, what that means is, is that there is almost always fear, and that fear is based upon not knowing. Oh, yes. Or ignorance and delusion. So you have to have the not liking plus the delusion of not knowing that gives rise to fear. And when you mix those two things together, that's when anger comes. Well, when anger does arise, do you know it? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. That in fact, when we don't know we're angry, when we are angry, that's when we're more likely to cause more suffering, more harm to ourselves, etc., like that. That in fact, you can see it happens uh, on a regular basis that some two people are arguing and one's getting loud and starting to yell and his friends say, uh, don't be angry. And he says, I'm not angry. Well, sure he is. He just doesn't yeah. want to admit it. And, yeah. and in a way, He's being delusional about his anger. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. And not only that, but there's other delusional qualities to anger in the sense that when someone is angry, they feel a sense of entitlement. They feel a sense of righteousness. They feel in the sense that they're justified in doing their bad behavior of taking revenge. taking revenge on someone because they've done them wrong or, or something like this um, is almost always done from delusion in the sense that it would, in fact, be better for us to be friends than it would be for us to be enemies. Because revenge is a strange thing. If I take revenge on him, he's going to take it back on me, and then I'm going to take it back on him. And sometimes even families get into warring with each other, one taking revenge after the other. Okay, so this wanting of revenge and wanting to even the score and all of that is part of the justification for our ill will and our anger wanting to harm someone because they harmed me. So this is uh, part of the um, makeup that we have. And so in, in a way, we like anger. 
we want it. It makes us feel powerful. It helps us to take revenge. And so um, we have heard um, on an intellectual basis, perhaps from some religion or psychology or whatnot like that, that, oh, anger is bad. Mm. We shouldn't be getting angry. Mm-hmm. But that's just words. Oh, yes. That, that actually we have to be able to see directly the the problems of anger and the issues that it causes and then we can we, make the strong determination to come out of it that, we have yeah. to be able to see it clearly mm-hmm. all right and so generally what happens is uh, the first stage is the way that i expressed it before is that somebody's angry and he doesn't even want to admit that he's angry. He doesn't know that he's angry. He's in a state of denial about his anger while he's continuing to be angry. But if he makes an improvement, then when he is angry and one of his friends says, settle down, you're getting angry again, he'll say, okay, I am angry. Let me take a few deep breaths and settle down. Mm-hmm. The third stage would be that he could actually see that for himself. Oh, I am angry and I don't want to be angry. Let me settle down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at that point now, the question is how many angry statements are we going to make before we wake up? Mm. Seven. In other words, one person goes yak, 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 and the other one goes yak, 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 and that's one cycle. And then yak, 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 and yak, 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 and yak, 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 and yak, yak, yak. And finally, somebody wakes up and says, this is going nowhere. If nobody wakes up, it's going to wind up in violence. And even in violence, if nobody wakes up, they're going to wind up in a great big mess, and somebody's probably going to be burying a body in the lake. Because they have nobody ever woke up in that uh, spiral of anger. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is can you catch yourself angry after you've only said one or two things? Are you asking me? And in fact, just one outburst be enough. Ah! And then we stop. Wait a minute. That's anger. And let me settle down. And then if we're even faster than that, then before that ah comes out, uh-huh. we, can, we can recognize the anger. Yeah. Now, um, some people say that, oh, if I get angry and I don't uh, express it, then that's the same thing as repression mm-hmm. or holding it in. But the answer to that is, is that we're talking about something completely different now because, in fact, the person is angry and continues to be angry, does not wake up to the angry, uh, but he is at least not expressing it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something different here. We're talking about once we actually see that this is anger, we're going to work on dispelling that anger. Yeah rather than keeping it going on the inside uh-huh. to drop it completely to recognize hey i can feel better mm-hmm. by taking a deep breath and coming out of it mm-hmm. that nothing is worth getting angry about 
Nothing is worth clinging to. That in fact, this is a statement of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa he got out of the suttas, but it's kind of like his motto or his uh, favorite saying. Mm. And that is, is that nothing is worth clinging to as I, me, or mine. Well, the only way that we can cling to anything is by uh, doing it selfishly. Clinging to it, uh, there's got to be, if there is clinging, then, then we create a clinger to do it. Yeah. All right. But when we recognize that anger is something that can be dealt with by dispelling it rather than repressing it. Mm-hmm. So repressing it is like putting something under pressure. Mm-hmm. Like we pump it up uh, into a tank, and the pressure in that tank builds up, but we never release the relief valve. Mm-hmm. All right, and so totally. and so the argument is to release that relief valve and let all of that stuff out. Oh, but yeah. we're talking about it in the sense that we're not going to be doing that pumping up anymore. Oh. We're going to turn that motor off, yeah, so that we don't have that pressure built up anymore. That's the uh, the real issue of ignorance and delusion. That we that the original part was is that I should not be letting all of this pressurized anger out, hmm. and so we shut up and repress. But we're talking about a a, a deeper level of understanding, oh, yeah. so that we can in fact say. Anger itself is bad, and I'm feeling angry, and I don't have to let me take the heat off. Let's settle down. Let's um, uh, do something that's um, nurturing. Because, in fact, um, anger can only come out of uh, being critical, of not liking, of saying that this is good and this is bad and what you're doing is bad and I'm going to make sure that you find out that it's bad because I'm going to do bad things to you because of what you're doing. And this is how our society is built. Mm. Built on criticism. It's built on trying to make improvements. It's built upon... um, a system that was originally designed to eliminate ignorance and uh, delusion and uh, suffering, but it didn't do a very good job of it. Well, let us say it did do a very good job, something like a C minus. And that's a whole lot better than an F. Mm -hmm. And some societies are down there at F level, like, for instance, Nazi Germany. Okay, down at the level of failing people. Our society doesn't fail everyone, but it is unsatisfying to almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do then is to change the interior from uh, the things that we picked up from society and change that interior into something that's more wholesome, more beneficial. So that means that we need to start being on guard for this ignorance, Mm. all right, or this delusion. So one of the things that we would say then is is that unwholesome thoughts are in fact delusional. Unwholesome thoughts are thoughts about I want something or I'm trying to get rid of something 
and uh, let me make a plan and all of that kind of stuff. This is harmful, uh, unwholesome thoughts that are basically critical to where wholesome thoughts are going to be the kind of thoughts that are nurturing, wholesome, uh, are designed around unity and um, friendship. Mm -hmm. And so becoming friends with ourselves and letting things be okay the way that they are. This is the way that we would uh, uh, start to practice. So this is the whole idea that the Buddha was talking about with ignorance, is, is that ignorance is in fact the driving force for dukkha. Mm -hmm. If there was no ignorance, then that means that all of our feelings would be wise feelings. But in fact, we're, it's not that way that we're on a continuum of, uh, let us say, technological advancements. But for some reason or another, the human being is not on necessarily on a continuum for uh, emotional or mental advancements. We can advance in knowledge, mm -hmm. but the deeper knowledge that we need is um, how to come out of critical thinking into more nurturing kind of thinking. Hmm. So you could say then that nurturing thinking is less likely to be ignorant thinking. Yeah. yeah. So this now is back then to Anapanasati. The hmm. sati is to wake up so that yeah. we can do an investigation, figure out what's really going on. And so we could say that in that dark room, going to the bathroom, I remember that other people live in this house and they move furniture around. I may not know the way to the bathroom. Or in, in my case at night, uh, deep in the night, there may be dogs on the floor. Mm. And I don't know where they are. And so it's better to take a look at, at uh, maybe turn a little bit of a light on so that you can see your pathway. This is the way that we begin to understand, oh, I am not going to just assume that I know how to do this. I'm going to make a deeper investigation with each item. Every time I get up to go to the bathroom, I'm going to take a look at where I'm going because I might step on something that I didn't know was there. And the delusion is that I know the way. Mm -hmm. that's the delusion the delusion is is that when we think we know something when in fact we don't now if we don't know we could call that ignorance too but if we don't know the way and we know that we don't know the way then that's kind of wise ignorance yeah. and that's the kind of ignorance that we're shooting for is, is wise ignorance not delusional ignorance that what we don't know, we know that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Rather than, oh, well, uh, I, I don't know, but I think it's like this. Mm. Now, in Western culture, especially in the United States, but I assume that Mexico does this too, the way the educational systems are designed is, is that the kids are supposed to be right. Yeah. And are supposed to take tests. Mm -hmm. But these tests are not essays. 
that really test someone's knowledge, they're more than likely going to be uh, check the boxes kind of test. Multiple what? choice. Oh, yeah. Multiple choice tests actually don't test things very well. Mm. And not only that, but the multiple choice test um, is actually if I've got a choice of three or four uh, and I can eliminate one or two of them, then it's down to only a choice of this or that. And I don't know which one is which, but I'll choose one of them because it's better to guess than to not answer. If I don't answer the test, uh, the question, then I, I for sure get it wrong. But if I answer something, then I might have a chance of getting it right. Mm. You see how that now influences the way that children think. It encourages us to be delusional. It's encouraging us to make guesses. To where everything about the teaching of the Buddha is no, let's not guess. Let's look and see and Life is not a multiple choice test. Uh-huh. And not only that, but generally, before we make a choice, we have a chance to figure it out. It's almost like life is like an open book test. Mm. And all we need to do is to do our research rather than guessing. But it's easier to guess, and we've been guessing our whole life. Mm. And so the teachings of the Buddha is all about coming out of that guesswork. Let's not guess anymore. Let's look. Let's investigate. Let's figure out exactly what is going on. Mm -hmm. This is why the investigation stage is so important. And this is also um, part of the Eightfold Noble Path in the sense of right view. Right view is actually quite big. It's a big deal. and one of the points of it is, is that we need to do an investigation rather than thinking that we already know the answer. An example of that, that uh, that's universally taught by all religions is the law of karma. The law of karma states that if you do good things, you'll get good results. And if you do bad things, you'll get bad results. Now, every criminal and every kid knows that that's not necessarily true. We can, in fact, get away with it. Yeah. That I can do bad things and not have to experience the bad results. That a good example of that, in fact, is um, um, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. has been getting away with things his whole life. Things well, are closing in on him finally now, but he was able to get away with it. But our churches and our schools, et cetera, they want us to say, no, you can't get away with it because then everybody will behave correctly. And so basically it's a war between the authorities that are saying, The law of karma is correct, it's good, you've got to follow it. If you do good things, you'll get good results, I'll guarantee it. And if you do bad things, I'm going to send my own personal police force after you to make sure that you understand 
that your bad behavior gets bad results. But the teachings of the Buddha is that, no, this is just kind of an ordinary way of thinking. That you could say, in fact, that the idea that I can do anything that I want to do and get away with it, that's wrong view. And if everybody lived according to that kind of wrong view, we would have bedlam. We would have chaos. We would have barbarianism that even the warlords would get killed in their sleep by their lieutenants. Mm -hmm. It would be a dog-eat-dog world, or in our human case, it would be cannibal. It would be humans eating humans, because we used to do that a lot, still do it in some places. Mm -hmm. So that is absolutely wrong view. No culture at all. Everything is dangerous. This is down then to the level of Darwin of the survival of the fittest, period. End of whole story. To where our society is built upon, oh no, there's this law of karma that says if you do good, that other people will like it and you'll get good results. And if you do bad, then you'll get bad results. But we know that that's not necessarily the case. So the religions will come up with the with the the addition to it. The last thing on there is the statement, no matter what. What do I mean by that? Okay, good actions will get good results no matter what. And bad actions will give bad results no matter what. Even if God or the common machine has to dig you up out of the ground just to kick your ass, that's the idea, okay? Uh-huh. Right, that you cannot get away with it. Where in fact, um, within the context of right noble view, uh-huh. is that we don't get away with it because of look at the way that we feel. Uh-huh that we are, in fact, our own executioner. Mm -hmm. And so this is a much more um, appropriate way to look at it, rather than looking at it as an outside force, a a law of comma, a god, a police force, or something else that's going to enforce our society's rules upon us. We're now going to be doing it through wisdom. Oh, yes. Through investigation, through recognizing for, for ourselves what is correct and what is not correct. This mm-hmm. is the noble right view. Mm-hmm. So wrong view is I can get away with it. I can do anything that I want to. Ordinary right view is, no, there are rules here. And society's got rules. And religions have rules, and if you follow those rules, you'll be okay. And if you don't follow the rules, we're going to get you. Mm-hmm. All right? But then there is noble right view. And the noble right view is let's investigate, let's look, let's examine, mm-hmm. let's figure out what's really going on here so that I can live a life that is wholesome and uh, perhaps productive, but the important part is is that it is uh, free from suffering, free from dukkha. 
That's the way that we want to look at it. All right. And so that investigation requires not only to see this is dukkha and that my feelings are associated with that in the sense of I want something and then I get it and then I feel better, but I'm not going to feel better for long. If I buy a new car, it's going to have a dent and it's going to have mortgage payments. It is not going to be 100% that this is the problem that we have with materialism is, is that materialism ultimately is not satisfying. Mm-hmm. How many iPhones has Apple done in the past 10 years? And what is going to be the next one is going to be satisfying things that the other ones, the last model didn't have always improving. But a lot of people can be satisfied with, well, I've got a cell phone and it does everything that I need. And so I'm good to go. And so they're the ones who are going to be more satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this is the way that we begin to look at it is, is that let's do an investigation to find out how we can get ourselves into a state of satisfaction. Mm. And we do that at a moment by moment basis that much of the conversation that we've had today has been uh, the examples of very, very long-term kinds of things. But now when we're working with anger, we can say, no, we're just talking about something that happens within two two to three minutes. And so we can, in fact, um, learn with Anapanasati that we can take care of things in the moment. Mm And we can find a way of getting satisfied in this moment. Mm-hmm. So this is the practice now of Anapanasati is in fact this learning what really noble right view is, is to investigate, but we need to wake up to that. So Sati and right noble view work together. But even if we can see what right thing to do is nobly and we've woken up to it and we've done the investigation the next thing is to make a change effort really do have to make a change that uh that in fact uh there is quite a lot of um talk and literature and uh whatnot about uh we've in fact got a whole language about it destiny providence free will You've heard all of these words before, okay? Basically, what we mean by providence is, or uh, predestination, is, is that once you get into a habit of doing something, if you keep going in that habitual way, it, you're going to arrive at the destination that you're pointing at. Yeah. That's destiny. It's not that God is making sure that you stay on that path. It's that you make sure that you stay on that path. Mm -hmm. Not making the changes that we need to make. With Mm -hmm. little uh, side expressions like he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Mm -hmm. Which means if the guy puts down his sword, he might be able to survive. But don't put the sword down while you're in a sword fight. (laughs) You'll be sure to lose. (laughs) 
And so um, the practice of Anapanasati then requires a change. It requires the effort to put into it to change. Mm-hmm. So these three things run and circle around each other. They work together. Right view, right sati, and right effort. And what is one's right effort is, is to uh, remove unwholesome thoughts and start having wholesome thoughts. And the other aspect of right effort is to take a deep breath and relax. So taking a deep breath and relaxing and changing the way that we think from unwholesome into wholesome, that's one's right effort. Hmm. Once we get fairly good at that and we keep practicing it, the next one comes into play, and that is right attitude. Hey, I can do this, mm-hmm. that I can feel good, that I don't have to be in a state of uh, ignorant delusion and following my destiny, that I, in fact, can take the right effort to come out of that so that I do have, um, let's say, a life that I can design for myself. And we don't do that at a big level. We do that at a very, very short time frame level. Just now wake up. Just now recognizing the thoughts that I have are unwholesome. Just now throw those thoughts out and put in wholesome thoughts. Just now take a deep breath. Okay. This only takes about two or three seconds to do that. But we need to practice it over and over and over again. Because how many seconds a day are you spending with unwholesome thoughts following your destiny thousands sometimes thousands of times a day and so we need to start changing that balance by having more and more wholesome thoughts more and more uh relaxed breath uh so that we can begin to build up a new habit that goes against the grain of our destiny Mm -hmm. so Going to the word of free will, will is actually not free. In other words, uh, I have the free will to climb that tree, but it's going to take some effort to climb that tree. Uh-huh. God's not going to keep me out of climbing that tree, but maybe my own tree climbing efforts will keep me out of that tree. Mm. All right. So if we think of it like that, Uh, This taking one's right effort over and over and over again, developing one's right noble attitude about life is not free. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. In that regard, we can say that it's not free will that we develop. It's expensive will. It's going to cost. Uh And the cost is really worthwhile doing. That yes, it's expensive, but look at the results. Uh, mm -hmm. And so taking the right effort to come out of our um, wrong attitudes about uh, being a victim and being angry and upset and not liking the way things are going is because of our own delusions. (laughs) Yeah. And so this is the answer that I have to your question about ignorance. 
Mm-hmm. Is it is something that we need to practice coming out of that this is an aspect of Anapanasati is to come out of our ignorant uh, viewpoints and come into one's right noble view, which is full of investigation to look, to monitor, to note, and in a way to judge or to guard the mind to make sure that the thoughts that we have are nurturing thoughts, wholesome thoughts, and are not critical thoughts, unwholesome thoughts, thoughts of wanting, thoughts of uh, getting rid of things, thoughts of lawsuits, all of that kind of thing. So that we can come to a state of um, everything is okay, everything is fine, no worries. And so these are the kinds of things that we can say to ourselves in the sense of gladdening the mind. This is the change, is to say, that doesn't matter. I don't have to fix that problem. (laughs) Right now, I'm okay. I don't have to write that email right now. I'm okay. Everything is good right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric, Eric was very keen on on wholesome thoughts yeah yeah all right so let's finish this conversation now and you go practice that recognizing that there is a lot of ignorance and and the ignorance that's dangerous is the delusional ignorance where we think we know something when in fact we don't And so let's let's start looking at it from the sense of let's investigate. Let's find out for sure. That's one's right noble view. Is the faculty of wisdom, the power of investigation. Do you have any questions? No. It's clear. Great. Now we know how to apply this to practice also. So you can go practice this. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And we'll see you in a few days. It's great to talk to you. I'm I'm really pleased with your calling. Mm. All right. We'll see you.